let's, let's just pray as, as I start, uh, before I, I start to speak. Father God, I do thank you for this morning. I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of being able to learn about you and of being able to hear you and hear your voice here today in this congregation. And Lord, we thank you that um, we're thinking about your, the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, but then also about your death and your resurrection and what that means to us and the effect it can have upon our lives. And so, Father, help us to focus on you. May we hear you today. May, we, um, may your voice resonate within our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. Thank you, Father. Amen. I, um, for those of you who don't know me, those of you who are visitors, I'm Martin, I'm married to Debbie, and I'm going to be leading us through sort of the next 10 or 15 minutes of our service. Um, Andrew, can you put the picture up, please? Thank you. Uh, can you all see that? Because it'd be helpful if you can, because if you can't, you're probably going to struggle. Eric, I don't know if you can see that, actually, or if the people on the, on the corner there can see it. Otherwise, it's going to be like gobbledygook as I kind of speak in here. Uh, so hopefully you can all see that. Uh, it's a picture of a stained glass window, and it's called the Wales Window. Have any of you ever seen it or come across it? Any of you heard of it? Nobody, absolutely nobody. Well, I'm with you lot, because I hadn't heard about this until about two weeks ago either. Um, so it's not something that I think is particularly well known about. Well, obviously not, because nobody else seems to know about it here. And like I say, I, I didn't either, knew nothing about it. And it came across a book that I was reading, and the book's called uh, The Crucifixion by a lady called Fleming Rutledge. Um, and it's, it's on the front of the book, it's the picture on the front of the book, and uh, I nearly missed it. And if it wasn't for uh, this lady actually giving a page of explanation about it, I'd have just totally passed it by. But it's really quite an amazing picture, and I'll try and explain it to you, and um, explain some of the the reasoning behind that picture. And then once I've kind of finished that after a few minutes, uh, then I'm going to share something of my own personal testimony as to, I suppose, what this picture might mean to me and some of our suffering uh, that we also uh, go through from time to time. And really, if you want a title for this morning and what I'm going to be speaking about, it's going to be The God Who Suffers With Us. It's the God who suffers with us. And it's probably a strange contrast when we've been thinking about this morning about Jesus Christ and his birth but we're also going to be thinking about his death and resurrection. So it's quite a contrast there, really, this morning, as we think about that as well. Uh, so this Wales window, it's, uh, like I said, it's a stained glass window, and uh, it was presented by the people of Wales to a group of people in America, and it was, uh, they sent it to a church, uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, in America. And it was in response to a historic terrorist bombing that took place. Um, and it was a major turning point in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. Where's that coming from? Background noise, sorry. I don't know where that's coming from. And what happened, it was on a Sunday morning, September the 15th, 1963. So that's just over 60 years ago when this happened. And there were four little black girls. They were dressed in their white, their best white Sunday dress. They'd gone to church and they were killed. They were blown up in the church by a bomb that had been planted by the Ku Klux Klan. I won't necessarily explain who the Ku Klux Klan are, but they were a terrorist organization. I think they're still going in America, the deep south of America. And they blew the church up. And the result of it was these four uh, young girls were killed. And so the people of Wales, they raised money to have this picture here, this stained glass window, to be sent to them and to be erected in their church 
is a memorial really to these people and to what took place at that time. And um, so to try and explain the picture to you, because it's easy just to pass it by, there's a tremendous amount of meaning in this picture and I can only explain part of it. So maybe I'd recommend that if you really wanted to, to go back at some stage and have a look at the picture yourself. But as you can see on the picture here, it's the, it's the resurrection, it's Jesus Christ on the cross. And the first thing you probably notice is that he's actually got black skin, rather normal. Uh, I suppose the pictures that I've seen, nearly all of them, represent Jesus with white skin. He's got black skin. And I think that is in, again, that's in solidarity with the people and the way in which that they were hurt and the way in which they were maimed. So he's got black skin. That's a sense of kind of identity with the people um, of that area. Also, you can see it's kind of a, can you see for me here? Am I blocking anybody's? Because it's hard luck, really, because I can't really move that much. Um, it, it's quite a traditional sense in, in the way you look at it. He's got his arms outstretched, he's got his head bowed, and he's got his knees bent. And that's quite a traditional way in which you'd see Jesus on a cross. But he's actually, um, he's not actually part of the cross. He's kind of in front of the cross. Because normally you would see when Jesus is on the cross, he'd either be nailed to the cross or he'd be actually tied to the cross. But he would have his, his arms outstretched, his, his head's quite often bent and his knees are bent. But he's actually standing away from it. He's not really part of it. And it gives you a sense really of two parts in that Jesus is part of the cross and yet he's separate from the cross. So he's kind of part of it, and yet he's transcendent and away from it. And it's giving you that kind of impression. There's a double meaning, I think, going on here with this. And as you look at it, you can see that in the picture. There's, um, the chap who actually created it is a chap called uh, John Petz. And in his kind of explanation of this, you can see... Um, I've got a pointer here, which I'm going to use, because I think it's... Um, I've never used one before, so it might be quite good. So that's, that's his right arm there, and you can see it's actually extended out, and he's holding it up, and it's back, and it's as if he's actually pushing away any kind of evil or demonic powers that may be coming into that area or into anything else that you might be thinking of. So he's kind of pushing away, and there's strong arms. These are represented by strong arms. They're not thin, kind of spindly arms. You get the impression of a strong arm there. And then if you look at his left hand, it's actually turned and it's faced towards us. And it's faced towards people that will be actually looking at this. And it's a sense of, um, you're my creation. You're the people I've created and I'm welcoming you here. So you've got that double kind of feeling going on here. One of him rejecting and pushing back evil, which would be very relevant to those people back then. And also of him welcoming us. And the same with us, of drawing us into him and welcoming us towards him. Uh, you probably can't see it that well, but if you look at, at the face of Jesus, it really is bowed. He's got his eyes closed. And there's probably two things that we can think about when it comes to this picture and, and Jesus' face. Uh, the first one is that really he's suffering, and Jesus is suffering terribly because of his own pain and because of his own anguish and the suffering that he went through on the cross because of the way in which he was nailed to that cross and the things that happened to him whilst he was on the cross. He was suffering terribly, but also he's bearing the sin and the weight of the world. So the ways in which we sin, the things that we've done wrong, and particularly with that KKK bombing, was the way in which they actually also would have poured that kind of 
paying on to Jesus and he's feeling and he's suffering in the same way in the people in that situation were suffering. He's feeling that pain. He's feeling that, that pain and anguish of the people. And it's the same with us. So when we're feeling hurt, we're feeling pain, we're feeling sorrow, Jesus can enter into that pain and into that sorrow with us. He's not a distant God. He's a personal God. And then you can see as well, he's dressed in white. And, it, and it, again, it's an unusual kind of uh, dress that Jesus has got on there. And for me, what that's symbolizing in terms of it being white is that it's the, the sinless side of Jesus, his perfection, his beauty, um, and probably a sense of peace maybe, but of being spotless, of being whole, of being, um, uh, of being uh, sinless. And then behind him, there's, there's a white cross. And like I said earlier, he's not, really, he's not nailed to it, but the cross is behind him, and that's a white cross. And again, in a lot of the pictures that I've seen of, of crucifixions and things like that, it's normally a, a wooden cross, so it would be a brown-shaped cross, but this one's white. And again, I think that that's showing an image, really, of sinlessness and of purity and of wholeness. And, but Jesus is standing away from it. He's kind of transcendent. He's not nailed to it. So he's, like I said before, there's two parts to this. One is like he's part of it and he's feeling our suffering and our pain but he's also away from it, and he's actually feeling that sense of, there's a sense of power and of identity with us. He's not fixed to it. I don't know if you can see at the bottom, there's some wording at the bottom here, if I can just point to it. You do it to me. Can you see that at the bottom? Can you see that? You might be able to see it over there. I don't know if you can see it at all. Um, and that's taken from um, the scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. And that's a parable of the last judgment. And in that, in that parable, Jesus really explains that as we do good to others, it's as if we're doing good to him. But what they've done is they've kind of taken this and they've, they've turned it on its head and it's kind of saying that you do it to me so that the pain and the suffering and the sin that we do, Jesus feels that and Jesus experiences it. So the pain that we do, the things that we do, Jesus feels that, so you do it to me. So they've taken that, um, that parable of Jesus and they've kind of turned it around a bit and they've made us think that actually the things that we do, we actually put those onto Jesus. And um, so the full force of human depravity is actually turned on Jesus. And what really comes across to me in this picture is the way in which Jesus identifies with us. So Jesus suffers, we know he suffered on the cross, but he also continues to suffer in terms of the depravity of, of human nature and the way in which God um, identifies with those in our suffering and in our pain. And this must have been an incredibly moving picture um, to the people of Alabama and the suffering that they went through and of knowing that the God that we worship is not just a distant God, God is with us. God is with us in our pain. God's with us in our suffering. He's there and he's with us. We may not always realize it. We may not always experience it. We may not always understand it. But he's there and he's with us. And he shows us that by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I said it earlier, uh, right at the beginning, the God who suffers with us, that's the God that we worship. There's a bit of feedback here somewhere. Um, and I would just like to share with you quite briefly 
uh, something of my own testimony as to um, a situation that I, um, I had to cope with where um, you know, I suffered probably the most thing I've ever had to suffer. So just to try and explain some of my own testimony. Uh, what happened was um, when I was 15, um, my dad was killed in a car accident. And so I went from one day um, having a father, an earthly father, to the next day he was dead. And it, he died on the operating table. And so that was a tremendously traumatic situation for me and the family. Um, I'd become a Christian just shortly before that, but I'm not so sure my faith meant a huge amount to me. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home, so I knew about Christianity and about Christ. It wasn't just a theory. Um, and just after the funeral service, when I was, we were kind of waiting and congregating outside the service, um, I, I can remember it quite clearly. Uh, my auntie came up to me. She meant well, but she said to me, men don't cry. And I was just about to start crying because of the emotions of the situation. And uh, she said to me, men don't cry. And for the next 20 years, I didn't cry. I bottled all that emotion up inside of me. I just, the shutters came down, I stopped, I didn't cry. I just um, turned all the emotions inside. And so I buried those deep within me. Um, my mum, like I said, she was a Christian. And um, I've got an older sister and a younger brother. But I don't remember us actually talking about this situation. I don't remember us talking about it. And I guess it was because of the trauma of the situation that we didn't talk about it. So um, fast forward 20 years. So I'm married now. I'm 35. I'm married to Debbie. Uh, we've been together about 13 years. Um, we've got three children. I've got a daughter of Amy, who's seven. I've got uh, twin boys of five. Um, and I'm not coping with life. I'm struggling. I'm finding it hard. I'm probably getting something like, at times, three migraines a week. I'm, on, um, I'm also getting continuous headaches. I'm, I'm really struggling with life. I'm finding it hard uh, to cope with it. I'm on medication to try and keep the migraines under control, but it's not doing too well, really. And um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm trying to hold a job down. Uh, and I'm also actively involved in the church. So I, I'm under a lot of stress, and I'm, I'm not really coping with it very well. And my mum arranged for me to go and see a chap um, for some counselling. He was a retired Anglican vicar, had also had some professional training as a counsellor. So I went to see him. I had uh, 12 sessions with him of an hour duration each. And I know they're an hour because he stuck to an hour. It really was rigid. So we did an hour. So I had 12 hours, basically, of counselling. And it, it was amazing the way in which God met me in that time and in that, that 12 hours. Um, through being able to talk to Bruce and him being able to share with me about some of his experiences and, and the experience he got in these kind of things. Um, plus also just the, um, the times of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. It was amazing how God met me in many, many different ways just through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, after that, okay, I, I had those. It went on for a number of months. I actually, I managed to come off the medication the, um, the migraines no longer had the same impact upon me, and certainly the headache, headaches didn't uh, have the same impact and effect upon me. So I re really received an awful lot of healing through that. I still do get migraines from time to time, but I can control them very easily. I get headaches as well, and they can be controlled as well, but easily if I need to do. So I've received an awful lot of healing through that time. Um, and also emotional healing. Um, I wasn't so sure how I was going to be able to explain this if I was going to actually start to cry or weep or whatever um, because my emotions have been totally changed. I said like over 20 years I had, 
I just blocked it all up and put the shutters down and you couldn't really get through to me. I just put all the emotions inside. But now, even in one of the songs we were singing, I'm thinking, I'm getting all emotional. How am I going to be able to stand up and share some of this? It's going to be difficult for me. So emotionally, I've changed considerably. And I put that down to Jesus Christ and the fact of him being with me and understanding me and being there during my suffering and during my trauma and through the difficulties that I've been through. God was there. He was a personal God. He was part of what, what I was involved with. And what I want to share really again is just to say and to encourage you, when we become Christians, we don't suddenly become immune to these things. You know, we're still subject to to suffering, to difficulties, to problems. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus Christ is there and he's with us. And he identifies with us. He's there alongside us. He helps us. You may not always know it. You may not always understand that. But he's there and he's with us. And he's by our side and he helps us and he encourages us. And it's not, um, it's not a magic wand. It doesn't suddenly you become a Christian or you go through a certain situation and bang, it's all gone, you know. God smell waves a magic wand and you don't, you're not subject to these things. We're still subject to them as Christians. But we have a God that walks with us and loves us and is part of what we do. And so what I would say is it takes courage. It takes courage to step out and actually, I think, sometimes admit these things. But don't do like I did. I bottled it up for 20 years. And I really got to the stage where I had to do something about it. Um, don't bottle it up like I did. I would say um, d don't do that. And we just have such a wonderful God. <laughs> I, knew, I knew at some stage it would affect me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm starting to walk around in circles as well. Um, yes, okay. <laughs> we just have a wonderful God who's there with us and desires to be with us and wants to bring healing to us in so many different ways. And so I just wanted to share that with you. What I want to do now is I just want to have a few moments of silence. Um, I'm going to time it because it's hard when you stood up there trying to do it. Of about two minutes. And I just want you to, just to be really, you, you can look at the picture and focus on that and what that's maybe spoken to you. Think about some of the things that I've said. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come and be with you. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit just to be with you and allow him to just speak and minister to you. Because he's just a wonderful God. I'm going to shut up now. We'll just have two minutes of silence.